morning, church. It is a great to be together this morning. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 19. It is uh, great to be together, my spiritual family. Good morning. Welcome. Hopefully you have a sugar high. Uh, we've got uh, plenty of uh, donuts there in the back. And uh, they need to be consumed today. So uh, if you are uh, trying to watch... Uh, what you do consume, I do apologize in advance, uh, but we definitely want to provide something that will help you, and uh, so please uh, make a visit back to that table. <clears throat> we can uh, lower the, the re re reverb a little bit on the top, near the top of the button. Yeah, I'm, I got a lot of feedback here. I don't need much of a mic. Wouldn't you agree, church? Well, <clears throat> uh, the very, very top by the number. There you go, number two. Uh, but go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles to uh, Proverbs 19. And uh, you know what, my name is Doug Lovegren, I get a chance to serve here as the minister, and uh, boy, I tell you, I, I love my job. Uh, well, I've got the best job in the world, I love being with my ministry here in, uh, in uh, Lakewood, Some, someone keeps on correcting me, I live in Cerritos, yes. but we're actually in Lakewood, uh, but I, I'm still good with uh, saying we're in Cerritos because we're a, a hop, skip, and a jump uh, right next door. But uh, welcome to the Metro East Ministries. Uh, we are uh, not a white church or a black church or a Latin church. We are God's church. Uh, trying to do what we can. Amen, church. And uh, we just uh, are trying to do our best as imperfect people following a perfect Savior. And uh, it's great to know that we, uh, we all need some help. And uh, maybe you need some sugar high. Hopefully we got that donut taken care of for you. Uh, maybe you need some coffee. Maybe you haven't had your Starbucks today. Well, you know, the Lord brought some Starbucks for you back there. So please... Uh, if you would like to get up during the lesson, uh, I promise I won't put you to sleep. Uh, I do uh, promise that if I do see you sleeping, I might call you out uh, like a teacher does in their class. Uh, but I do promise you that uh, I'm not here to entertain you. Uh, I'm not a stand-up comic at any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I do believe in preaching God's Word. And I do believe in uh, being excited about what you do. And I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do as a minister. I love being a great father. I love being a great friend. I love being with other men to help us draw closer to God. I love making a difference in my community. And so if I'm a little bit excited for, you know, I, I don't apologize. I just am explaining the facts that I'm really excited about what I do. And, uh, you know, last week I didn't get a chance to preach, but I do thank Bob Henley for doing a great job. Amen. Uh, Bob did a great job preaching God's word. And, you know, so for me, it's great to be with friends and family. And uh, so I got to get my timer out. I forgot to do that already. So uh, no apologies needed. Just uh, we'll get on track. Amen. But, uh, you know, um, we've been meeting here since January. And uh, I really love um, coming together just to, to worship here in the surrounding communities. It's just great to fellowship. It's, it's great to know that some of you can just walk, wake up and walk down the street and have church uh, instead of driving down to Downey. Uh, but it's great to be together. And uh, although we miss uh, some of our relationships in Downey, uh, it's great to be here in Lakewood to really build something great for God. Amen. And I really pray that, uh, you know, you, you take this as an opportunity to be a part of your spiritual family. And, uh, you know, the great thing is that we're imperfect, and there's so much that we need to grow and change in, in our church. Wouldn't you agree, church? Yeah. There's so many things we can do greater here in this ministry. Well. And I do want to encourage you. We do have a prayer basket there in the back. If there's anything you feel like we can afford to grow in or change in, don't just throw it in there without saying, hey, how can I help in this fashion? And, you know, we need help in this area or with helping the kids or with make, making sure it's, uh, the service is a little bit greater or making sure we, we can afford to have these different things. And please put the suggestions in the prayer basket back there. But do me a favor and help us 
help it make, make it great to, to have a great service here in our Artesia High School. So um, I do ask that we, you, you have a vested interest and uh, not sit back on the chair and point out all that's wrong. We do that every day at work sometimes. Amen? But we, we can watch the news and see all that's wrong in our city. But thing to me, the greatest thing is not to see what's wrong, but to make a difference to make it right. Yep. And that's why I think I love teachers, I love nurses, because they do all the things behind the scenes. Yeah. The doctors and everyone else comes in and saves the day. But the teachers and the nurses do the groundwork to really say taking care of our communities. And I think for us, if we're going to take care of our church, then you are a vital part of helping us make a change. Amen. If you're visiting today, we are a spiritual family here. Uh, we definitely use the Bible as our guide. Amen. Amen. We definitely believe we're, we're not where we need to be, and we're excited to go where God wants to take us. But if you're visiting, um, I do uh, want to welcome you. It's great to have the Rochas visiting from New Mexico. And if you're visiting from other outside churches and our Greater Long Beach ministry or any part of the L.A. church, welcome to your spiritual family here in Metro East Ministries. You know, a special thanks to those who make Sunday work. You know, it, it takes a lot of work to get the, the microphone set up. It takes a lot of work to put the sound up and to have donuts here for you early. You know, who likes having donuts and coffee at church? You know, it doesn't come without sacrifice. See, someone came a little bit earlier than you to have that here for you, so be grateful, amen? But, but be here, and maybe you can come early to help out set up the sound, put up the poster, and, and, and put up the tables there in the back. You know, it's great to, to be a vital part of a spiritual family and not just come and sit in your seat and enjoy the great things that God is doing for your life. You know, I bring you greetings from the church in Nevada. You know, last week I wasn't here. My wife and I traveled to Nevada. Nevada, Nevada, whichever you want to call it. It was great to visit the church in Reno. And uh, I bring you greetings and, and welcome from them. Uh, they're a flourishing church, about 35. And uh, we're excited that I bring you good news that they're going to hire Guy and Loretta Burnt. They're in Indianapolis. They're hiring them May 1st to lead the church in Reno. And so, man, I went out there to speak to the church, to share, to encourage them and get them ready for Guy and Loretta to come out there. So I definitely, uh, they, they appreciate me and May coming out there this past Sunday. Uh, I definitely missed you guys, but uh, it was just a great time to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Nevada. We almost got snowed in, almost. As we were leaving, you know, Reno, they are like, you better get out of here now. Because once you hit those mountains, it's about 25, 30 degrees. The snow is going to start coming. So we were literally rolling out of Reno, May and I, and it was rain. It was not raining. It was snowing like it was raining. And uh, thankfully, it didn't stick. We just kept on flying. I did go the speed limit as best I could. But uh, we are here safe, and that's the most important. You know, March Madness is, a, is upon us. I love college basketball. Uh, I love college basketball. Uh, I didn't tell you, I love college basketball. And, uh, you know, the Lovegren House, we've got the brackets filled out. We've, we've filled them out, Jackson and Jarek and, and May finally filled hers out this year. Yes! Amen. You know, we had some other people, won't say names, Latrice, that try to fill them out earlier or later. Um, but my son, my youngest son, is in the lead already. And he's picked all the upsets already, which is amazing. Uh, I wish I kind of put money in Vegas, but I don't live there anymore. Uh, but I'm grateful to uh, allow the money to stay within the Lovegren household Amen. and not at Mirage. And uh, so I'm grateful that uh, my kids can benefit from that. Uh, you know, as you can see from our poster, our, our theme for the year is uh, first century faith anchored in faith, hope, and love. And uh, fe del primero siglo, anclados en el fe, esperanza y amor. For Mysterio Latino. Venga, andale. Sí. 
Pray for your pastor. Man, he's trying to get his Spanish down. I'm learning a new phrase every day. Está bien? Muy bien? Muy bien. Fantastic. Fantástico? No, no comprende. Orale, gringo. Please, please. Keep down. Amen. But uh, guys, it's great to worship. Spanish, English. I just, uh, I'm grateful to be with my family. And uh, I just appreciate you taking your time to come out here and uh, worship God. If you can understand me in Spanish, I, I apologize if I've insulted you. Uh, but I just, you're part of my family, so let me be with my family. Amen. Let's pray. God, we all need help. I need help in my Spanish. I need help in life. I need help in my family. I need help today, God, to be able to preach your word powerfully. And God, allow uh, me to be able to convey the, the words that you want us to convey, the things that you want us to hear, and the things you want us to speak about. And God, I know it's on my heart to share about uh, your love. It's on my heart to continue to share about how much you, you love us so much. God, I do uh, pray for the needs within our fellowship, God. They're so great. And I appreciate the prayer requests. And I do want to lift up Theo Johnson to you. Just having lost his sister two days ago, uh, I just pray you really comfort him. And be with his family, be with Paula. And uh, God, I really pray a special prayer for the Johnson family, that God, you would send your angels around them and encircle them and encourage them. God, I pray for those that have lost their mom and dad recently. I know it's a challenge. Not just to lose somebody you're close to, but someone who raised you. Someone who loved you. God, a Patricia McEwen, a Sandy Reed, a Greg Watson. Our heart uh, really goes out to them in great ways. God, I be with those of recent heart complications and having a pacemaker surgically inserted with Anderson Marshall, Lupe, Imelda's mom, with her angel, Veronica, and Genoveva's dad. Just uh, two days ago had one inserted. I pray that, Father, you would help him heal and help their hearts not only be healthy, but help all their hearts draw close to you, God. Father, we pray for the health challenge of Anna Kellner and Renee Stevens and Joy Cannon and Minnie DeGaia and just the, the, the cancers attacking their bodies. Please, God, protect our brothers and sisters. God, I pray you're with Glenn Daniels that he can get a kidney donor. I pray you're with Raquel, the Aceves family, who's her grandmother who's in the hospital continually. God, please help her. And God, I pray a special prayer for Dolores Smith. She's had migraines, and the doctors have no idea what's going on. And I pray that, God, you would comfort her at the time. Be with the physical needs and in the studying the Bible. I pray for Edwin Carter. And God, I pray for Rudy Saitan. I pray for Johnny Aguilar. I pray for Jesus. I pray for Ricardo and Lisandra Magana. I pray for Anna Mellon and Annette Lemelai. I just really pray you'd move in their hearts. And I appreciate the courage they have to sit down and study the Bible. God, I'm so grateful. It changed my life 17 years ago. And God, I pray today that as we open the Bible, we open it for the first time. We allow it to minister to us. We allow it to speak to us. We need you, God. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. The church says, Amen. Amen. You know, uh, two, weeks, um, two weeks back, I preached about uh, being anchored in love and just the importance of love. And I uh, talked about, you know, God's love. God's love bandages us. It helps us. You know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. You know, God's love believes in us. And God's love blesses us. You know, Proverbs 19, verse 22. You know, the Bible says, What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. And you know, this morning I want to really focus on the first part of that passage. It says, What a man desires or woman desires, for that matter, is unfailing love. You know, God knows who our hearts are as people. He created us. He knows us. He created us in His image. 
And the great thing is that He loves us. You know, much of what we do, whether it's to be successful, whether it's to be attractive or powerful or, or, or a great athlete, is motivated by the need for unfailing love. You know, as people, we've tried it all, haven't we? We've had our own pursuits, and sometimes we've got more defeats to share about than more victories. And you know, as we've tried all the things to try and get us happiness, it leaves us broken. A sense of hurt. A sense of emptiness and insecurity. You know, but God brought us here today to show us the full extent of His love. Is that He wants to show you that you're going to find love through the Scriptures. You can find truth through the Word of God. You can find true relationships in people who are seeking the greater good of others, not the greater good of themselves. That's a true friend, is helping someone in need. You know, God created marriage, and God created relationships. For us to follow Him, for us to, to follow His Word, for us to follow the Bible, to better understand how to be successful in this thing called life. Yeah, our nature as people is to follow the crowd, isn't it? Yeah. We want to follow the masses of people, because if we go against the grain, the big question is, what will they think of us? What will they say? Wow, you follow this guy called Jesus. Really? Because aren't we a Christian nation? Quote, unquote. And I say that quote, unquote, because I think at times we can call ourselves one thing and we live a different. And that's like America today. is We follow the crowd. We, we want to follow our feelings and our emotions and our hurts and our pains and our struggles. But for me, it's been the Bible that's helped me be the man I am today. I have to admit, it's, it's the Bible that helps me be a great husband. It's not the self-help and the great talents that God's given me. It's the Bible that, that's guided my way. It's the Bible that's helped me be a great dad. That's taught me how to discipline my kids. That's taught me how to believe in my kids. That's taught me to tell my kids, it's not more important what the world believes and what the world thinks, but what your mom and dad think. And more importantly, what God thinks. Because God put them in my life and blessed me with two amazing boys. I'm here to tell you that God's way works. And my lesson today is simply the most excellent way. Who wants to live a life that's the most excellent way? Turn over your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's just the intro. We're just getting started here. So if you need some more coffee, feel free to jump back there. Another donut to hold you over the next two hours. I'm good with that. Maybe you think I'm kidding, but we'll see what the Spirit says. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Go ahead. You're not wrapping up today. But you know, I want to talk about the most excellent way. And you know, for me, before I became a Christian, before I even became a member of this church, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to, to, to be a businessman. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted to be successful in the world's eyes. And at every juncture, I ended up at a dead end. Because it wasn't until I found God, it wasn't until I found the truth, that I really understood the reason why I was here. Because it's not about me. It's about understanding the greater good of life. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, this passage is very dear to me because when I got married, this was the passage that was read at my wedding. I don't know about you, you got to go back to the basics of Christianity. you got to go back to the basics in, in sports. you got to go back to the basics that gets you going. This scripture gets me going. I'll never forget my wedding day. August 17th, 
1996. Now, I don't remember the full content of the lesson that day. My knees were jiggling. I saw the most amazing woman walk down the aisle. I was nervous. I was filled with anticipation. I was scared out of my socks. But it's been the best thrill ride of my life. It's not been the easiest. It's been challenging. But, but this was the foundation of why I became a Christian, why I got married to the most amazing woman on the screen earth. And it's not just because she's beautiful. It's because she loves God. Is it because she puts God before me? And that gives me security. Because I fall short every day with my wife. I fail her as a husband every day, not purposefully. But just because of my flesh and because of my sinful nature and because of my selfishness. What do I want? It's not about what you want in a marriage. And we're not going to go to a whole different lesson on marriage. <laughs> because the singles are like, come on, bro, move on. <laughs> and it's not that you're better or less that you're married. You just got... More challenges as, as, as a married couple. More opportunities for God to work. Amen. Yes. And for God to use you in a greater capacity. And to turn, teach you about Him being in charge and not you. Because if, if God doesn't show you, your wife will sure will let you know that. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. Man, I don't know how I got there. But the most excellent way. And I will show you, verse 31. And I will show you the most excellent way. See, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Here's the key, amen, write this down, underline it. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes. It always perseveres. See, church, love never fails. You know, God wants to show you the most excellent way. If you don't, if you can, you can do all these things in the world. You can go to church. You can wear the nicest clothes. You can roll in the fattest car you have. That's kind of a vernacular term for that's dope, that's awesome, the nicest car. <laughs> no, if, if I'm out of date with my lingo, teens, help me out. But you know, you could, you could have the nicest ride. You can have the most bling bling that you have. But if you don't love, it's nothing. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a successful entrepreneur. If you don't have love, that doesn't matter. See, God says love is everything. Love is what's going to help you through the test of time. Well, you know, I read my Bible. I go to church. But if you don't love, then it's nothing. It's all for naught. You know, God shows us here in verses 4 through 8. It says, what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You know, what he's talking about is, you see, God's love never fails. Our love fails every day. 
in our fleshly nature. We just, we fall short. You can try and you can have, you think that you have the best week and then something happens and then you flip out. Because see, God's love is perfect. God's love never fails. It's the most excellent way. And yet what we desire in Proverbs 19.22, what we're looking for, what we're searching for is just we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be cared for. We want to be nurtured. And the only way you can find that is through God. Your love is failing. Our love is conditional. And the scary thing about us as people, our love is so fickle, isn't it? It's so circumstantial. Oh, well, he doesn't love me. He didn't give me flowers for a week. Well, did you let him know that's what that's your love language is, is gifts of service? Well, no, but how can he express that if you don't know that? Yeah, you know, our love is so fickle. As husbands, our love is fickle. Sometimes we, we, we don't feel love. Well, because you don't communicate what you need, brother man. And I think as men, it's, it's easy for us to look at the world and want to pursue things and not pursue being loving as a father. I mean, what this world needs is not tough dads. It's not tough love. What this world needs is real men to stand up and love people. Stand up and take care of your family. Stand up and be a great dad to your kids. Take time out of your busy schedule and turn off the boob tube and the TV that's called. And turn on some time with your son. With your daughter. Play chess. Read a book. Do something educational. Don't just do something athletic-wise. And see, we don't just need tough love. We need true love. And what Jesus is teaching us and the Scriptures teach us is, you know, we need to understand that only God can show us the most excellent way. Our society confuses love and lust. See, lust is directed toward the self. See, love is directed towards others. See, love is utterly unselfish where lust is about selfishness. The love defined here goes against our natural inclinations. We as people crave and what go after our flesh. What we feel good. I want to feel, I want that dress to make me feel better. See, I don't care what dress you wear as long as you feel good about yourself. You're as beautiful because God knows you're beautiful. It's not a matter of what you wear, what you look, or what makeup you wear. Now, I appreciate the accoutrements and the, the, the beautiful things my wife adds with her makeup and clothes and, 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 and nice jewelry and perfume. I love that stuff. Yes. But that, that doesn't define my beauty and my appreciation for my wife. See, God doesn't look at those things, but our lust does. And see, the weather is getting warmer. And you've got to be careful. Are you going to be loving or are you going to be lustful? Is it about you? And when you struggle with it, do you go to God? See, it's possible to practice this love only if God helps you step aside from being selfish and you put God first. You know, as a Christian over the past 17 years, the more and more I become more like Jesus, the more loving I become. The more and more I become like Doug Lovegren, the more unloving I become. The more selfish I become. The more self-absorbed I become. See, God's love is the most excellent way. And I have five reasons why God's love is the most excellent way. And we're going to get to all five of them. Amen. He said the first one is what? The first one is what? Look at verse 7. It says, it always protects. I want to show you a picture here. What do you see right there? I mean, you see a lion and her two cubs. I mean, I thought that was a hot picture. I thought that was a pretty powerful picture of protection. I mean, you want to, t- you want to go ahead and touch one of those cubs, anybody? Go ahead and 
didn't take a stab at it. I don't think you'd make it out the room. And those cubs have no idea what's going on. But I tell you what, God's love always protects. It's fierce. God's got your back. Even when you don't think He's there, God's got your back. When you follow Him and you trust Him, God's love always protects. Psalm 18. God's love always protects. It always has got your back. It's always something you can turn to. It's reliable. It's bedrock. It's not going anywhere. It's our love that's conditional. It's our love that's, that's back and forth and circumstantial. And for me, we've got to understand, you know, the most excellent way, number one, is God's love always protects. Listen to what it says in Psalm 18. Verses 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. I love this scripture because this here is where David was being attacked by a king. Anyone ever being attacked? Have you been attacked before? And someone's attacking you, but even more so, they're, they're trying to seek and hunt you down. And so David's being challenged because Saul's trying to kill him. And David was running for his life. But look at what God did. God protects him. God's saying, hey, David's saying, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. I want to trust you, God. You're my protector. And the Lord is my rock, my fortress. He called to the Lord, verse 3, what happened? And he was saved from his enemies. See, every time you feel like God's not there, God's there. God's going to protect you. God's love always protects. See, God's protection for His people is limitless. It comes in different forms. And David characterizes five symbols. The rock. A rock, what? Can't be moved by anyone. Number two, a fortress. Or a place of safety where the enemy can't harm us. See, God protects you. He gives you a fortress. He's not only the fortress, He gives you a rock. Number three, He gives you a shield. That comes in between you and something that's going to harm you. God provides you a shield when you turn to Him. It's when you don't turn to Him is when you feel distant from God. At different times, we can get so circumstantial with God's love. We feel like, you know, God, you're punishing me for this. God doesn't punish you for anything you've done. God loves you. God cares for you. It's your choices that got you to feel that God's not loving you. See, when you lie to your wife... There's a reason why you feel torn up inside. When you're deceitful to other people, when you cut shortcuts on your taxes and he comes back 10 years from now, who are you going to blame? God? You're the one that took a shortcut. Wait a minute. It's so interesting. We get so circumstantial. We get so, well, God doesn't love me when we're going through a challenge. That's not true. Challenges are made to help us turn back to God, not turn to the challenge. And God's want to try to tell us, hey, he's going to protect us. He's going to shield you. The fourth thing, he's going to give you a horn of salvation. Why? To give you a symbol of might and power. That God is the God that's going to help you. Not your 401k. God's going to give you a strength. Not that relationship. God's going to give you a strength. Not that paycheck. God's trying to say, I'm going to shield you. I'm going to help you. But you've got to turn to me. And I'm going to protect you. There's a stronghold above our enemies. So, you know, the most excellent way, God's love always protects. You know, it says in verse 7, God's love always trusts. Point number two. Look at this picture. Number two, God's love always trusts. You know what that is right there? That's called the trust game. And for me, just look at, look at the guy who's about to fall. I mean, he looks really worried, doesn't he? 
he's trying to figure out how to pay his bills right now. He's, trying to, he's, he's about to put his hands out and stop, isn't he? I mean, you look at the surrender. Look at the trust in his body language. And then for me, you look down and you go, whoa. That's what I'm talking about right there. When you fall, who's going to pick you up? Sometimes all of us, at different times, we pull ourselves away from people. When in fact you're going through struggles, you need other people to catch you. And you're the one that isolates yourself from other people. So how can you have someone else to pick you up when you're by yourself? It's not the church's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. Take responsibility to understand that God's love always trusts. See, when you think no one's going to pick you up, God's already there. The Bible says in Psalm 37, turn over there. You're already in the book of Psalms, so we're going to stay there. Psalm 37, God's love always protects. God's love always trusts. The Bible says, do not fret, verse 1, because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. That's called worry. Do not be anxious. Do not have anxieties. When people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. I mean, for me, just understanding God's love always trusts. You, 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 can, you can bankroll your paycheck that God will take care of you. You go, well, you know, I'm going through challenges. I didn't say you're not going to have challenges. Come on, You're always going to have challenges. Because those are obstacles to your faith. Those are obstacles to see and make sure and test you. Is it about God's love or is it about your self-reliance? Or is it about you? For me, God's love always trusts. You trust, your trust for someone is challenged when you get hurt, isn't it? Your trust for someone is challenged when someone hurt you and you want to retaliate. I want to remind you that last sermon I preached, God's love bandages. Jesus came and he washed our feet. He washed your life. He took you in. He didn't question the things that you did against him. He chose to love you. See, God's love always trusts, regardless of being hurt, regardless of suffering a loss. We must trust more in God's love than our love. Point number three is God's love always hopes. Number three, God's love always hopes. You see that picture right there? What's that a picture of? I mean, some of us are in this thing called darkness. And as you start making your way, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's always light. You might not see it. But see, that's why you need somebody else to walk with you. To help you understand that God's love always hopes. It always hopes. No matter how dire, no matter how challenging, there always is light at the end of the tunnel. Psalm 37. You should be there already, right church? Verse 8, the Bible says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Again, don't be anxious. Don't be anxiety. Don't freak out. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It's just comforting to know when you do put your hope in God, it might not feel like the blessings are coming. It might not feel like you're out of the dark yet. But trust me, keep walking to the light. The dark will proceed behind you. 
Stay focused on hope. You don't put your hope in people. You know, at times we put our hope in things, don't we? We put our hope in the physical and our abilities and what we can do and how we can perform and how we look good on the outside. And God constantly reminds me, Doug, it's not about your talents. It's not about what you can do. It's about are you putting your hope in the right things? Are you hoping and putting your faith where it needs to belong? Don't put your hope in people. Don't put your hope in relationships. Don't put your hope in finances or a job. I'm trying to tell you this morning, the most excellent way is that God's love always hopes. You know, there's a few quotes I want to share. I wrote my own quote. I was pretty excited. I wrote down, you know, what is hope? When I thought about this morning, I says, hope is the confident expectation founded in Jesus Christ towards the unseen and the future. You know, Claire Booth said, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Stan Smile says that hope is like the sun, which as we journey toward it, casts the shadow of burden behind us. As you go towards the sun, as you go towards God and you focus on Him, the darkness will supersede. You know, a number of years ago, researchers performed an experiment to see the effect of hope on those undergoing hardship. So as any scientist would do, they chose two sets of rats. They placed one set of rats in two separate tubs of water. The researchers left one set in the water and found that within 24 hours, all the rats have drowned. The other rats were periodically lifted out of the water and dropped back in the water. Lifted out of the water and dropped back in the water. Not because they were trying to favor one or the other. They were trying to show what is hope. One had no hope and kept swimming. The others were pulled out of the water and dropped back in the water. They lasted 24 hours before they finally drowned. What's the point? They kept swimming because they knew someone would pull them out and rescue them. The other ones just swam aimlessly and drowned. The point is that when you, when you know you have hope and you see someone can help you and rescue you, you'll do whatever you can to survive. See, for us, the greatest hope we have is Jesus. The greatest hope and effect you can have in your life is God's love. It's putting yourself and putting your faith in the right things. You know, God's love not only protects, God's love not only trusts, God's love not only hopes, but number four, God's love always perseveres. Look at this picture right here. God's love always perseveres. Look at that right there. He's climbing a big old thing called mountain. And that's kind of our life, if you want to say it, per se. You're climbing your mountain, and at different times, in order to make the top of the mountain, what do you have to do? Give up? You can give up and make your way down that mountain, or you can stop, or you can continue to what? Persevere. See, God's love always perseveres. We have obstacles, we get tired, we want to rest, we start to struggle, we start to have a, we start to have a hard time, but don't give up. Some of you, you've given up on life already. Some of you have given up on your faith. Some of you have given up on whether church can help you. You've given up on God. At different times, you just come to come, but don't give up. Persevere. Don't worry about what other people think. Just come and what? God's love always perseveres. Think about, you know, life is like a marathon. It's not going to be one in one hour. It's not going to be one in, in 10 seconds. At times, we think life is a 100-meter sprint. 
Life is a marathon. And if you've ever run a 5K, 3K, 10K, whoever K, however far you've run, when you run, you know one thing. Running is not about just your, your, your body and everything. It's about sheer will. It's mind power. It's mind over body. It's having the determination to persevere. You know, our sister Lexis, this morning she ran the L.A. Marathon. And I don't know the results yet, but I know my sister Lexis was having a hard time at different points. Well, how do I know that? She sprained her ankle. She didn't really want to run the marathon, but she didn't give up. She said, I'm still going to run it. I'm still going to go through. She texted me this morning at 7 o'clock, Doug, pray for me. I'm about to start the marathon. I'm, my, my, my phone should go off any, any moment now. But I, I'm so appreciative of just her going, hey, I'm not going to what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to persevere. You know, God's love perseveres. God cares for us. God wants us to be our best. 1 Corinthians 9. Turn over there. 1 Corinthians 9. God's love always perseveres. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. You with me, church? Yes. All right. We're doing good on time, so I just want to make sure you're, you're aware I'm aware. But 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, the Bible says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, excuse me, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like, a, like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I mean, that's a great depiction of running physically and also what we're supposed to do spiritually. You know, when you have the hurdles in your life, don't give up. Don't look at the negative. At times you see, well, Doug, there's not enough water for you to drink. There's plenty for me to drink right here. This could last me all day if I needed it. It's all about perspective on what we see. And for me, the scripture is so powerful because we've got we to train ourselves. At times, we can train ourselves physically more than we can spiritually. I think sometimes we, we, we have life on right, but we can't even read our Bibles. We can't even have any devotion and commitment to God. And yet, we've got to spiritually train ourselves. Yeah, I think for us, Galatians 5 is a great scripture. I know for me, I faced it, and this scripture came really close to me in Vegas. You know, Vegas, and I've shared before, you know, Vegas was my physical desert and a spiritual desert. And I had a hard time on my faith. And I read the scripture one day and I said, you know what, doggone it, I'm tired of being so negative. I'm tired of feeling this. But at times I think this kind of depicts our life. Galatians 5, 7. Hey, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Another translation says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? You know, for me, we're running this thing called life. And you're running your race. You know what? It's your race. Sometimes you need to stop. Sometimes you got to take a drink of water. Sometimes you need some help. Hey, sometimes you got to take a break. Anyone feel that at times? Yeah. And yet sometimes we feel like we got to fit in with the Joneses. And we got to keep on going. Because we're so focused on how we look. And you're focused not on God's love for you. 
And then I think what we do is we worry more what people in the church think than what God thinks. And we, by that time, we've already stopped running. We've kind of given up. We've kind of thrown our hands in the air and, oh, I can't do this thing called life. And, oh, my life is hard. I'm like, no, your life's not that hard. That's not that hard. Let's go travel to a third world country and talk about how life is hard. Well, you know, I pay, how much are you paying for a, ga- a gallon of gas? How much? Four fifty a gallon. Some of you complain and whine, right? Let me help you out this morning, church. My dad fills his tank nine fifty a gallon. You're glad you don't live in Germany. So it's all about perspective. At times, well, you know, man, my life is so hard. No, it's not. Did you have breakfast this morning? Did you have clothes to put on? Did you have a car to travel to church today? Well, then you're not, you're not, you're not that poor. You're not going through that much struggle. Did you have some perfume on? Did you have a nice jacket to cover yourself? Did you have a nice shower today? Did you enjoy that shower? Well, well, you know, some people didn't even have a shower today. And not a shower today, but the past week, the past month, the past year. So for me, it's all perspective, isn't it? Oh, my life is so hard. Let's talk after church if your life is that hard. And I will, I will gladly hear you out. And I will gladly pray with you and, and put you on the prayer list and say amen. But, but I, I dare say your life is that bad. You're here, so you made it. Amen? amen? But God's love always perseveres. And here's the last picture. This makes me emotional. Number five, God's love never fails, right? Do, do you love God's love? Yes. I mean, Jesus, God's love is perfect. But look at this picture here. If you can see that, I really believe that's how God takes care of us. I really believe when I became a Christian, that's what my father... God did for me. He took me in his arms. He says, hey, Doug, life's going to be okay. Hey, I'm going to help you out right here. You need a Savior. Hey, I'm going to help you out because you need the truth. I'm going to help you out because the way you're living life, being focused on beer, being focused on girls, being focused on basketball, is not giving you any return on your investment. Let, let Let me help you open your eyes because God's love never fails. When you feel distant from God, who moved? He didn't. At times, we want to jump out of His arms. And God's just there to protect you. God's there to take care of you. This is how I really believe God feels about us. That God wants to comfort you. That God wants to help you. That God's love will never fail. And yet, we fail each other every day. And that's why we need Jesus. And me, that's why we need other people. That's why we need perspective from what the Scriptures teach. This morning, God wants all of us to be taking account of our life to encourage us to show us the most excellent way. God's love always is reliable. It's trustworthy. It's something you can lean on. It's something you can bank on. It's something you can put your investment of life and you can put your marriage on the line and put it in God's hands. You know, some of us think because we go to church already, because we do certain things that look spiritual, because we made the decision to follow Jesus, that that's all that matters. But do you know who God is for yourself? Do you know what God expects for you from you? Do you know what the Bible teaches about following Him? Because, you know, it's funny. I was an expert. Here I was, a 24-year-old college senior. And we sat down, and when I started studying the Bible and coming to church, 
I brought my Bible, and it had, I forgot to bring it this morning. I'm kind of bummed. I wanted to show you just to be you know, vulnerable with the church that I had my original Bible I got confirmed in. And I brought my Bible. I felt so proud. You know, I sat it down, and they said a prayer, and we started reading the Bible. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was very scared because I had my Bible, but I didn't read it. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> but I have my Bible and I had no idea where to turn. Turn over to St. Luke. Who? And I thought I was really, really smart. I said, what, what, what passage was that? Let me, let me, hold on. What passage was that? Oh, that's page 452. I got you. Hold on one second. I was so, so confident. I was beaming with confidence. And then when they asked me, hey, Doug, have you read your Bible? I said, well, that's a good question. When's the last time you read your Bible? That's even a better question. <laughs> and you start to think, and you've done it before, right? You're like, oh, how am I going to answer this? Yeah. And I finally said, let me put my pride aside. Let yeah, me say, dude, you know what? I ain't going to lie to you, James. I dug my Bible out of storage. I haven't read it for the past, since I was 12 or 13. But I got it at least, right? That, that, that makes something. That makes a difference at least, right? I mean, give me some credit, please. I'm asking for some reassurance, you know, amen? I'm like, dude, at least, I mean, at least I had a copy of it. I didn't go buy it. I even have some things highlighted. I don't know why, because I haven't read it in 12 years. But, you know, at least I have my Bible here. But, but the thing is, and why I share it, you know, as a ministry, it always saddens me. I think people find security in the church rather than find security in God. And it, and it pains me as a minister. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being critical. It's just, as my job is to administer to your needs and administer to my community's needs, it always pains my heart. When I talk to people, and I ask one very brief question. Hey, you know, hey, how's it going? Oh, I love my church. Oh, that's great, man. Awesome. What church do you go to? Oh, down the street is the big church. That big one? Yeah, that big one. Yeah, we got that thing. Yeah, we got about 30,000 on Sunday. Man, it's hot. It's awesome. Man, we got a great choir. We got a booming preacher. He's awesome. I said, that's cool. That's great. Hey, um, let me ask you a question, though. When's the last time you read your Bible? Oh, you know, I mean, the minister read it to me this past Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I get my spiritual meat from. You know, it's a great church. You got to come sometime. I said, well, you know, I work as a minister. And I always find it interesting that the Bible is the most sought-after book, but it's the least read. And so, when's the last time, just answer my question, when's the last time you actually read your Bible? Silence. Well, you know, I think, you know, maybe last week, I said, you know, the thing I found is that when you're really honest, you can't really change until you get honest with where you're at. And so I think you've got to really ask yourself why you read your Bible or when the last time you read your Bible. Because for me, it's not my job to read the Bible for you. And that's why I love us, the church. Here we as a church, we want to stand and make sure that I call all of us to really follow God's word. Don't follow me as a preacher because I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. I've got a lot to grow in. But I, I've learned some things. And I know some things over the past 17 years. I'm not that out to lunch about spiritual issues. I know my Bible. Now, I'm not going to challenge the church, but I think if I don't know my Bible better than the church, how can I minister to the church if they don't know their Bible? And one thing I do know is I know my Bible. I know what my Bible says. Now, it's not my job to go out and hoot and holler, look what I read. <laughs> what did you read? Hey, did you read your Bible today? But, but I say this in light because it always pains my heart. 
Even some of you have been in this church for so long. When's the last time you were honest with reading your own Bible? And not making sure your wife or someone else shares the scripture for you. See, when's the last time you came in the fellowship and shared, hey, hey, Jimmy, good to see you, man. Hey, can I just share what I learned in my Bible today? See, because I think a lot of times we're superficial in our love. Yeah. And we come here, hey, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, all right, hey, good to see you. Hey, all right, hey, let's get some coffee, all right. Hey, great singing, hey, awesome. Hey, see you next Sunday, all right, we're out of here, all right, lady, all right, take him We can play this, this thing called church. Don't play church. If you don't feel like going, don't come. That's your bad. That's your missing the boat. I'm not here to hold you accountable to God. I'm here to say, I go to church because I need it. I'm, I read my Bible because I need it. I need guidance in my life. I need help in my life. Yeah, and I'm the ministry admitting I need help in my life. I don't have it all figured out. But I know one thing. If you turn to God or you turn to the world, you have circumstances and you suffer consequences. And it pains my heart to see that God's love never fails. God's Bible is always here, but very few read it. They go to church for entertainment, not to really personally change themselves. They make the minister read the Bible for them and you continue to be in the same rut without growing because you can't have a conviction about your Bible and about reading what your Bible says. Read it for yourself. Allow someone to teach you. Allow someone to expose your heart because then you can find the most excellent way. You can find what God wants to give you. All I have, all you have is today. And you know, I appreciate Theo sharing. But you know, I don't, I don't want to go down on a low note. But I do want to share my heart. Yeah, you know, as a minister, it pains my heart. It pains my heart when you see someone who's lost a loved one. And they're struggling to, to mourn the death of somebody. And, and, and they start to go, man, I should have, would have, could have. Man, I should have, would have, could have done this. And we could have done this. And I wish, I wish I would have said this. And I wish I could have said this. And man, I wish they were here today. And so many people don't have a thing called today. But a lot of us and all of us don't have a thing called tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And some of us, we live for tomorrow. Well, I'll change tomorrow. Well, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. Well, I'll start being humble tomorrow. I'll start being devoted to God tomorrow. I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. And you know, for me, it pains my heart. Because so many people profess themselves as Christians but can't even love people. Can't even love their neighbor. Can't even, we can't even love each other in the church. We're just so busy with life. And Man, you know, I'm busy. That's the greatest word in the church, isn't it? I'm busy. Hey, let's get time. Try it. After church, hey, let's hang out this week. Well, you know... I'm busy. Make some time. Make a decision to make time for God today. All you have is today. And for me, when you close out in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, God's love is, is the most excellent way. And we always make fun of Aldwin, but I'm going to share it anyway. I can share this, Aldwin, right? I mean, you, you, you look at Alwyn's old Bible, man. There's one chapter in the book you don't have. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. Because <laughs> that's all he read before he became a Christian. 
But I appreciate it. That's all he read. He knew God's love. We have a Bible talk on love. Hey, let me share a scripture with you guys. <laughs> but I appreciate Alwyn. At least he knew his Bible. At least he read the word. Now, putting it into practice is a whole different ball of wax. But I think for me, what's your favorite scripture you turn to? What's your favorite scripture that's tore out your Bible because you've read it so much? I think some of us, we got to get a new Bible and start fresh. I mean, this Bible, if I lost it, I think I'd, I'd probably be so heartbroken. I mean, I've tried to tape it up, and I've tried to resurrect it. I mean, I've got ink in here. I mean, you, you find my Bible, you'll say, man, what was this guy doing? He has betrayed the word of the Lord. He's scarred. I mean, i got notes back here in the back, but, but I love my Bible. I mean, this helps me be sane. This is better than my paycheck. This is the greater than my relationship with my wife. Because here's where you get direction for your life. If God created you in His image, then He knows what's best for you. So why not read it? And see, sometimes I have a hard time. That's a whole different sermon. I don't think I can go there. I haven't lost my place. But I have a hard time when we focus. Hey, you know, let's go ahead and turn over to Scripture. Here, it's right here. Hold on. Let me read it. I bookmarked it for you. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I can't get connected to the Internet. I can't get my Bible. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you've never done this before, Mike, but I'm just sharing with you. Oh, no, hold on. Let, let me share. Let me find this scripture for you. Let me look it up. Search engine love. Love is patient. Where is that scripture? Love is patient. Oh, hold on. Oh, I can't find it because it's not up. The application's not down. I don't have... There's nothing greater than having the word right here. Can I get an amen from somebody? And I think some of you amen because you just got convicted. And, and I'm not saying you're wrong, okay? I'm, I'm saying use technology to the benefit of God. Use it. Hey, man, it's there. Bam. I, I, sometimes I'm trying to find a scripture and, oh, man. Oh, hold on. Let me go to the bathroom. Hold on. I'll be right back. Oh, I found it. Hey, you know, I got a scripture for you I thought about. Turn over to John 7. Because I found it. But I also found it here. So what's the point? Man, don't just rely on internet for, for, for your, your, your Bible knowledge and a search engine to help you spiritually. Get a crusty old real Bible. Dust that thing off. And sit down with someone and just read the word. And I tell you, that's when your life begins to change. Amen, church? Amen. Thanks for giving me a couple more minutes of your time. First Corinthians 13, we'll close out here, I promise. You know, for me, love is the most excellent way. God's love is the most excellent way. And the Bible says in closing, verse 7, See, God's love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Church, love, it never fails. It's there for you for the taking. Let it entertain you this week. Let it guide you this week. Let it direct you this week. Let God show you the most excellent way through His love. Amen, church? I love you. Thanks for your time this morning. Have a great day. Amen.